Okay, welcome to Ask Alex episode 212 on the OneOuter.com podcast. Alex, we are back and before we start and before I get you on, I'm just going to say a quick thanks to lots of people and I'm sure Alex will say in his own words as well. We've been running these promotions for Alex's discounts that he's been offering exclusively to listeners of the show and the response as ever has been just fantastic. I mean, I don't want to just go on and on about it, but I really do because on Twitter, if you you know follow me on Twitter and Alex on Twitter, you'll see the interactions and the amount of you that come out and like buy one or buy two or you know if you if the budget's a bit tight, you'll buy one and then come back later and buy the other one. And people are telling about their stories, about their success with some of the pro- uh, the products, and also just listening to the show as well. And it was just another like shot in the arm of like why we do it and why I'm keeping doing this and keeping it going because I can't remember like how many people have been in touch the last couple of weeks. I mean, it's like people are listening to it on their commute to a tournament. Some guy's going to his work. One guy, like I post the like new episode up, say like, here it is this week's Ask Alex. And you know, the, the episode maybe runs for an hour or just under an hour. And someone will tweet me like an hour, 20 minutes later saying like one of your best ones yet. And it's still, I don't know if it's just, it still baffles me sometimes that after 212 episodes of exclusively me and Alex, and then all the ones I did before as well, interviewing people and that, it's been going, I think it's 10 years, one outer. And it's like, it still just is a real shot in the arm and a good uh, boost to hear people from across the world that I've never met in person get in touch and say thanks for doing it and they're really enjoying it and they're looking forward to it coming out because I've got my own favourite podcast and stuff that I listen to and when they stop, there's nothing worse when it used to be part of your routine or you'd look forward to it, whether it's going on a walk, listening to it or playing poker or just working in the house or whatever. So um, thanks to every one of you that have sent in kind words and keep supporting the show and a special shout out to Chad McVean and also our good friend Dennis Peterson for constantly retweeting and sharing things and all the, the uh, promo codes and details and stuff. I mean, um, it's it's much appreciated. And the, the offers are still on. If you go to oneouter.com, the top right, there's a little section called Alex's Store. If you just click in that, that's a nice, neat place. We're going to keep all the offers that we're currently running for Alex's products. So... Um, you can still grab them there while they're still running. Um, when they're not running, they'll be taken out that and updated with whatever's on at the time. So without further ado, Alex, great to have you back this week. What have you been doing? Uh, it's good to be back here, Barry. I'm surprised you went on that jag because when you said podcast 212, is that the number you said? Yeah. My head went, oh my God, <laughs> what you said. I don't know why, because you do that intro every time, and I never think anything of it. It's just, hey, I'm showing up to work. But when you said 212 this time, my head did spin a little. I guess also there's a little bit more gravity these days, because for a while we weren't really sure what we were going to do with this podcast. And yeah, this works out pretty well because people buy my training products anyway. They're very content with them 
consistently. There's no reason we can't put it through the one outer podcast. And when you said 212, it just really got to me because I just like you, Barry, I'm a huge fan of podcasts. I feel I, I've probably listened to Adam Carolla speak more than both of my both my father and stepfather combined. And I've listened to so many audiobooks, it's insane. Uh, and just audio really is one of those last great media formats because it's so away from the screen. It's still personal. I think our minds love it because it still reminds us of sitting around the campfire and telling stories and sharing uh, hunting tips that we're going to use on the morrow. And I really love being able to be a part of that. And yeah, when you said 212, it just kind of hit me like a dream. Like, wow, we really get to do this. It's crazy. I mean, we never yeah. set to do a 212. And when I even started one out or before you, I literally had a handful of people I wanted to interview. And you were one of those, you know, you were one of the earliest uh, on the show. And, you know, once I did my, I think it's maybe like 15 people, I don't know, I, that was me kind of done, and I, once I got, you know, just my head down to the ground playing poker, that was it. And once you know the reality, like, you know, interviewing Sammy Farhan is not going to make you a millionaire or whatever, you know, it's like... Um, Sadly, no. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, but they're like the fascinating characters and the people, and yeah, it was like, right, what can we do here? And then the show, like me and you, it was one of those episodes between me and you that I would still get messages, like, I'm not even exaggerating, years after it, you know, people would find the site. And if people know me, I mean, I'm not big, big on social media. I'll go out and hit Twitter hard when we're selling stuff or when I'm selling things. And I'm not ashamed to say that because it's not like people who are buying it are listening to the show. So they know it's not like some tweet scam. They know it's great products from yourself and they're getting a deal. And it truly is a win, 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 you know, like, I get a cut, Alex gets money for his thing, and you get a product on a like ridiculous discount, the listener. So anybody, I don't care if it comes across spammy, whatever, the people that are going to buy and pull the trigger are people who listen to the show and know that it's the real deal. So I don't, you know, like go crazy on Facebook or building this or that. So yeah, it's just happened naturally by feedback of people getting in touch. Like, oh, I listened to your episode with Assassinato, great stuff, and yada yada and people get in touch with me still to this day at least you know one or two every two three weeks someone will get in touch and say like i just discovered the site i'm on like episode seven loving these and stuff and i'm like wow there to go back and listen from episode seven of the different lifetimes almost and different people that me and alex were back then like we're still the same people but you know what i mean like different characteristics different priorities at various points through different shows in a timeline and it'll be a cool documentation you know i'll keep them uploaded and on and maybe one day in like 10 20 years i'll listen back to them as well and be like wow you know it's almost like a it's a diary an audio diary out there to like go and check on but it is it is amazing and we we thank you all for supporting it and uh, buying the stuff, listening, and even if you're not buying anything, you're still getting the podcast free and learning something from it and getting something. And 
it's great. It's and it's we love it when you get in touch on Twitter or email or whatever and let us know. It it keeps us going. Yes, sir. It keeps me going too. I I guess sorry, <laughs> wasn't ready to go. You put me on the spot really quick. You cut off really quick. Uh, yeah, it, it is. It is a dream. So I, I really have a lot of times these days where I look around and wonder. I get worried it's just too good. It's like, it feels like a dream. I, I can remember in high school before YouTube or any of that, like people forget like when 2003 wasn't that long ago. And back then there was no YouTube. There was no, there was nobody really making money on the internet. Uh, there was like the first poker sites were out. That's when I started playing poker was when I was 15 years old. And in high school, they really started getting on you about like, what are you going to do with your life? And I can remember kids these days don't get this because now they, if you ask a 10 year old, what do you want to be? Many of them will say a YouTuber or an influencer or something. But we, when Barry and I we're younger, like none of none of that existed. <laughs> that was, I, I can remember them going, okay, what do you want to do with your life? And me going, uh, I have no idea. And they said, well, you should go to school. And I said, well, obviously in the United States, it's very expensive. I, I wasn't in a position where I was renting my own place in high school and barely affording that. So I didn't really have money. Uh, and, you know, working at, at like fast food joints and stuff. So I'm thinking, uh, I don't know. And by the way, I'm not the brightest guy to begin with. I don't know if I should be taking out what amounts to a small business loan uh, on myself right now, considering I'm still stealing food from Arby's at the end of the night. Right. And I'm not exactly the brightest guy. And not that I had that wherewithal at the time. I just knew. There wasn't a whole lot going on. There was nobody really making money on the internet or you knew Amazon did it, but it wasn't, there wasn't Gumroad or any of this. There weren't people, it, you know, that was still years and years and years before Tim Ferriss came out or years and years, like four or five years before Tim Ferriss came out and even introduced the idea that you could make money on the internet. And yeah, like you say, it really is a win, win, win because the biggest, when you interview poker players and you say, what is your biggest complaint with poker training? What is the thing that is the worst to you? Uh, the, the things I get when I research that is one, it doesn't help me in the field. Two, it's too expensive. Three, I don't understand it. Uh, there's also four is it's boring. There's a lot of that. So I really looked at okay, how can I change all of that? So I tried to make the lessons a little bit more fun. I, I tried to talk a little bit more akin to the football coaches I had growing up who I, I to this day, I can remember every word they would say about character or showing up on time and stuff like that because the way they said it was so different. Uh, I, I tried to make it more entertaining. I brought the cost down as much as possible, it dawned on me, people can't afford personal training because it's, you know, hundreds of dollars an hour. But it occurred to me, I have my lesson plans. A lot of times I'm just drawing from my lesson plans. Why don't I just record it once and 
it will be like the lessons these people are getting. And then the, the couple of questions they would ask during the lesson anyway, I can do on Vimeo uh, just as an added bonus or YouTube or whatever it is or on the One Outer podcast. And yeah, it, it becomes a win-win-win because uh, you, you make it more under, understandable. Now uh, the Poker Craftsman package, which was like it's 20 hours of recorded lessons with me and my lessons plan, lesson plans and stuff like that, and it's 80 bucks. That's as good of a deal as you're going to get on poker training anywhere. And then, yeah, I, I sit around, Barry, just wondering how this is my life. Because when I was a kid, I'd say to guidance counselors, oh, you know, I really like playing poker. I really like writing. And they, they were like, what are you talking about? You can't do anything with that. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And now my life is I wake up 7 to 8 in the morning. I grab a cup of coffee. I write I create things till like 11, 12. I go to the weight room. I lift weights, hang out with my buddies. I, if I'm lucky enough to see them there, <clears throat> uh, I come home, I eat, I, I do a lot of the administrative stuff. And then at night I play cards and I, I just like, I sit around Barry and I'm like, this isn't hyperbole. I just wonder how the hell this is my life. Like it seems too good. I wonder all the time. There's a lot of times I'll be chilling with my girl watching football or something like that at night, just completely satisfied with how I spent the day. And I just wonder how one person could get so lucky. And it's so much the internet. It is so much this podcast. It is so much the people listening to this podcast. And yeah, it just, it blows my mind, Barry. And you know what? On that note, let's answer some questions for free. You want to do that? Yeah, yeah. Just on that, you reminded me about guidance, you know, teacher at school and stuff. Like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I remember, well, I'm I'm the opposite. When I was 15, 16, I was doing eBay um, while I was at school. And ah, I, boy. I remember saying to my teacher, I'm going to work for myself when I'm older. I'm selling stuff online and that. And this is way back then. I'm talking 98, 99. And they were like, nobody bought even even hardly anyone bought on ebay you know ebay for the main category for like old stuff that i was selling there was maybe two three pages to give you an idea today there's maybe 1200 pages in that category and stuff this was wow. you know, hardly anything on it was so young and she was like what's that you know i was like oh it's a sad. i sell online and she was mocking me like who delivers it you and your brothers you know in front of the <laughs> Like laughing, trying to like belittle me, you know? And I was like, fucker. You know, I still remember that. I know, I remember. I, I, nobody mocked me in high school, but they were the worst part to me, Barry, is I, I was uh I, I actually went to a really good high school in the United States, even though my family didn't really have great money or any money eventually. Uh we I, I did go to a really good high school and the the worst part to me now that I have some distance from it is they didn't really mock me but they were trying to tell me to do what at the time was the intelligent thing to do which was if you get a college degree in the United States if you look at even st stuff like life expectancy beyond just income 
and things like that. There's a big difference between high school graduates and college graduates. There's, it really was the way to get yourself into financial security in the United States. And then they were trying to get people to go to college as much as possible. And they were trying to help you with like, okay, if you go to community college, you can do your prereqs for two years and then you can transfer into a four-year college. And the thing that's amazing to me is all these people were well-intentioned. Everybody who played the game well in the United States now has a ton of student debt. A college degree is as common as a high school degree. And it's in me, the kid in the back of the class that was like running wild card games so I could make a couple of bucks for a Coca-Cola. I'm the one doing well. And that's, I guess a part of me that, that strikes me as unfair because it was just like, people are like, oh, you worked really hard. It's like, nah, Barry, do you ever feel like you work really hard because you're lazy? As weird as that sounds, like I'm working really hard so I don't have to go back to a day job and so I can be a little lazier later. Yeah, and it's a weird one. It's weird, right? And then, yeah, you feel like I'm almost happy that the guidance counselors were mocking you so you can just have a clean break as in like, well, you guys suck, right? <laughs> you know, you're going to mock my dreams. But I feel bad for a lot of the people I went to high school with because they did everything by the book. They were smart kids. They studied their asses off. They applied themselves. They got into college. And now those degrees aren't worth anything like they used to be worth. And yeah, again, we're just the luckiest people on earth. It's uh, it's bizarre. Okay. Questions now, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get into them. Okay. The first one is anonymous. Uh, let's hope it's not Alex's guidance teacher. Uh, right. <laughs> I knew you would wreck it, kid. <laughs> You're through your Facebook, yeah. Um, okay, this one is anonymous. Hi, not sure if this will make it on time, but here goes. I'm playing a tournament on Friday, and there is a chance one of the tables will be live-streamed. I have read your latest book a few times, but I was wondering if I randomly end up on the stream, should I tone down the target in or just take my spots and adjust once people have seen the hands? Thanks. Man, that's a tough one. Uh, I, I really, honestly, my favorite way to play poker and the way I play poker most of the time now is online, uh, save for America's Card Room, which I don't play on a ton. Like, it's mostly... It, people don't know who I am. And I love that because you can just target and target and target and nobody really knows what you're doing. My worst nightmare would be, well, first of all, playing live poker sucks for me as well. Cause it's like, Hey, isn't that the guy who wrote the book about three betting all the time? And I'm like, ah, oh, damn it. Right. And then, uh, yeah, you essentially become me if you're on one of these live streams, because it, if, uh, you're on one of these live streams. If people see a couple of light three bets, they're going to start thinking, hey, what's going on here? So should you tone it down? Well, the question really becomes, are they going to do anything about it? There's many times where people just won't. So I don't know where you're playing. Also, I agree you should stay anonymous because, yeah, just on the off chance anybody in your card room listens to this. Uh, we wouldn't want them knowing what you've read. That's a little bit of a jag, but I always tell my students, like, you don't have to share. We're working together if you don't want, because I wouldn't want people knowing 
uh, that you're using some of my tactics. But what I would do, I, I probably wouldn't change my game that much if you don't think they're really going to adjust. And you do have to understand that in most of the world, people are the way they're going to adjust to you three betting a lot is it's going to be they're going to check raise more they're going to four bet more they're going to donk lead more into you uh they're going to call down more efficiently post lot now calling down efficiently is extremely difficult uh, i don't recommend it it's been derided since the days of the theory of uh, since the book the theory of poker for a reason uh check raising is uh is a very hard strategy to enact as well in three bet pots because the typical three better doesn't three bet enough to enact it that often. Donk betting, I love as a strategy, but it's very rare. Four betting is also supremely difficult for many people. So I don't think you have a ton to worry about. Now, this is what I would uh, guide you to. So just so you guys know, all of the strategies I say in these strategy jags are based on data I'm observing in the field. You'll notice there's other teachers now that agree with a lot of these sentiments. And it's not because some of you guys have sent emails like, this guy stole what you said. And it's like, no, we're looking at the same data. It's the same thing, right? It's just different delivery methods. The one that a lot of guys disagree with me on is three betting quite a bit. Uh, I, I say three bet quite a bit, target quite a bit. And you need to understand why I do that is the most common bust out for a lot of my students is multi-way pot. They make a really good pair or two pair. They don't know how to handle it. The tournament's over. I used a very blunt instrument to get rid of that, which was I started making the student three bet more. Typically, a lot of my students don't look, I, I work a lot with senior citizens. I work a lot with women. I work a lot with uh, people that tend to get, I guess dis discriminated sounds like too harsh a word, but yeah, people do make judgment calls based on age or sex and uh, we can take advantage of that. If they don't think a lady is capable of three betting quite a bit, I'm going to tell them to do it quite often. And if they believe a senior citizen is not capable of three betting a six, four of hearts, I'm going to have them do it quite a bit. And typically, if you look at the data, people respond very poorly to three bets up until you start getting into the higher mid stakes and the higher stakes. And that's when people start understanding, okay, I need to four bet more. Okay. I need to, uh, on the flop, I'm going to need to do some check raises and stuff like that. So if you ever play a World Poker Tour event, for example, you're going to notice a lot of people three bet quite a bit. Uh, so people are more used to that. Uh, but there's a reason it still works. There's a reason if you ever watch some of these WPT winners that have won multiple titles, you'll notice a lot of them three bet quite frequently. And that's still because people have a difficult time dealing with it. Now, what you can do, I said all of that as a caveat emptor before what I said here, which is <clears throat> there are times you can flat, and I wasn't big on that in exploitative play in live poker because I knew a lot of the people reading that book, it would serve their purposes. It, like a, a three bet, if you make a bad three bet, that's almost better than a bad call almost all the time. 
and just three betting a little too much, you'll almost always get away with it in position, right? Whereas cold calling a little too much can get you in serious trouble. I, and it's not that it's not a good play. It's just a lot of people navigate multi-weight pots very poorly. The thing about multi-weight pots is people do not raise as a bluff nearly as much as people would like to believe. When somebody raises in a multi-weight pot, if they've been playing poker for any degree of time, for any length of time, what they're going to learn is this. Typically, someone has something in a multi-way pot. Typically, that person does not want to fold. If you start raising pairs in multi-way pots, you're typically going to get played back at with two pair or better. So that's a great way to go broke. If you raise with nothing in multi-way pots, you're likely not going to succeed because people hit hands in multi-way pots because there's so many hands available and people don't like to fold. So typically, when somebody with any degree of experience is uh, playing a multi-way pot, when they raise you, especially on the turn in river, what they're telling you is they have two pair or better. And if they know how to read boards and certain draws have come in, they might not even be raising those combinations. The reason I tried to get people who are starting to read poker books or starting to learn about poker into three betting is they ended up getting into heads up pots where the hands were pretty easy to read. And most of the time they were just chopping out pots heads up. Now, that doesn't mean you can't play a multi-way pot. That just means you're going to need to learn how to trust someone when they raise you on turn and river. It's very hard for me, having spoken to thousands of poker players professionally, uh, excuse me, as a teacher, thousands of poker players personally is what I meant to say, not professionally, trying to tell someone like, hey, the flush draw came in, it's not in his range, why don't you check raise this river that started out as a multi-way pot? That is extremely difficult to get somebody to do. They're very scared of being caught, being derided, being stigmatized. So typically when people raise, they <clears throat> that when they raise, they have it. But that doesn't mean you can't play multi-way pots. It's just you're going to need to be willing to make a big fold if necessary. So the way you could don't tone it down possibly Let's say a really good player raises and you think that guy has pretty good three bet defense, okay? It would actually be a good idea to flat that person more often. And if there's bad players behind you to allow them into the pot, and then if those bad players hit a pair, you can just value bet to your heart's content and trust if they raise you, they probably have it. And the good player is going to be neutralized somewhat because when he's facing four guys, his bluff opportunities go down quite dramatically uh if he's worked really hard on his gto game uh gto becomes a bit more fragile in multi-way pots because one person uh playing a, a little bit how would you put this one person's ev decreasing doesn't necessarily increase your ev if someone makes a bad play, that doesn't necessarily help you. Two players could be playing in a style that implicitly colludes against you. One guy could be dumping equity to another person on accident, which hurts you. So trapping the really good player in that multi-way pot is not a bad idea. The reason I recommend against it, especially for players playing big tournaments on live streams, is nobody wants to be the guy who bet folded two pair on the river in a multi-way pot because if they get bluffed, everybody's going to mock them when they see the footage because those people who see the footage don't understand that's the whole game of poker is making big laydowns. And that's 
it's hard. It's really difficult. And of course, it's very easy watching on TV. Like, oh, of course, he's got three of a kind. What an idiot I could have called there. And it, well, yeah, everybody could call there. That's why most people don't do as well in poker, because if you always call there and you're not looking for the spots where it's not a good idea, you're just going to go broke every time when somebody actually has it and you can look for it. The So what I'm trying to say is if you're comfortable with making big laydowns, you can start flatting a little bit more versus the really good players. But almost always, I would say, just go ahead and keep three betting because I, I still think people's big blind defense is pretty poor. There's actually quite a few live streams now in smaller tournaments. If this is, if this is a tournament in Eastern Europe, Scandinavia, a higher stakes tournament almost anywhere, uh, World Poker Tour event, like a WSOP higher than a 1K, I would say go ahead and don't three bet as much. But if you're playing uh, Heartland Poker Tour, MSPT, uh, a circuit event, uh, so one of these like 1K events in Western Europe, you're going to get away with it so much more by three betting. And a lot of the players you're thinking, oh, I really want to flat against this guy because I think he has really good defense versus, versus a three bet. Almost always if he's playing at those stakes, that's not true. Uh, it's actually very difficult to have three bet defense out of position. Uh, it, it's extremely difficult. One of the hardest things you'll ever, ever learn in No Limit Hold'em. Most guys who play the smaller events don't get much experience in that because typically when somebody three bets them, they have it. So the best course of action is to fold or call, take a flop in with your premium suited connector and then fold. So it's one of those, yeah, you can do it on occasion. You can flat a little bit more versus the good players, but there's a, unless the guy has a lot of high stakes experience, I wouldn't worry about it. If people start seeing you three bet a little wide, you know, you can just go, I wanted more action, like whatever. If they're not going to start forebetting you, if they're not going to start check raising you, it's not really an issue. I, God, I just hate the, well, I mean, it, it shouldn't hurt you that much because there's a lot of like live streams. There's a lot of guys that at every single one of their major final tables, you see them three betting absolutely everything. And yet still people don't do anything about it. But if you did want to know when, I typically flat and don't enact that strategy and perhaps how you could curtail that to playing uh, at this streaming table. That tends to be the time I flat is when I'm trying to neutralize a fantastic player who I think will play very well versus me and there's fish behind me. But I almost hesitate to say that because what people want to do when they play No Limit Hold'em is they want to play in a style where they'll never get made fun of and they can feel like a poker player and possibly they could win. When you three bet, it's very dangerous because if you three bet the guy four bets and you fold, you look silly. Uh, it, it, you don't look silly. Everybody thinks you're stupid. People chortle. People make comments. If you three bet, C bet, the guy check raises you and you fold. People chortle. They make comments. If you show down a really stupid hand after you three bet, you get a lot of poof. And a lot of like, look at this chomp, right? Whereas if you flat, it's just a free roll to look like a genius, right? You flat, you see the flop. If you hit it, you continue. If not, you fold. There's no way to look dumb. 
So I hate telling people to flat because if you tell people to three bet constantly, they're just going to three bet a little bit more and that's going to improve their game quite a bit. Whereas if you tell a guy to flat one time at a, it, you know, if he's got a hand where he could three better flat, tell him like on occasion flat there, he's going to flat every single time because it's a free roll to look like a genius and to not feel bad about yourself. And I don't want you getting into this game. There is this implicit collusion going on in almost every single no limit hold'em game in Western Europe and the United States, which is I'll raise whatever I want from any position I want to. You'll call with any hand you want from any position you want to. We'll all go to the flop and we'll make our decision from there. There is so much money to be made in being the guy there that is squeezing on these people and picking up six, seven big blinds on a clip is three betting. And when you do get a big hand, you have so much more potential to get paid off. Jonathan Little was asked, what is the number one mistake you see players make at the World Series of Poker? And he said they don't, uh, they, they will not re-raise without premium hands. So what that, he does, he's not as big into uh, targeting as I am, three betting people and going after guys that opening too much. But he makes a very good point, which is if you only three bet aces, kings, queens, and jacks, which is most of the population, and as I'm sure you've noted, Barry, a lot of people won't even three bet jacks anymore, tens anymore, ace, queen suited anymore. How, how do you expect to get action when you finally do pick up a hand? I would say go after it. You'll actually just try to go after it from the cutoff, the button as much as possible. Maybe if it's a borderline hijack one, be a little bit more careful. Uh, and if you don't see people play back, playing back at it, I wouldn't worry about it too much. I, I would recommend a little bit against big blind and small blind three betting just because essentially if a guy three bets too much in position, it's so, so difficult to prove that it, it, so often that goes right when you look at the databases, even if the guy is doing a lot of things wrong. When you three bet out of position, you build these big pots out of position. You have to do a lot of things right before they come to fruition. I'd be very careful on the hijack. Focus on the cutoff. Focus on the button uh, from earlier positions. Uh, look at the flat. That'll make your three bets uh, not so frequent. So I, I don't think anybody will really notice. I, I hope that helps. Yeah, and just overall, I messaged the guy back because this one, by the time he did get it in, by the time this show goes out, it will be too late. But I said, it's an interesting topic, you know, for other people as well. And I just said to him, the main thing I would say is don't, like, change your game all of a sudden just because you're on a stream. I've seen people I know who I've played with for months and months and sometimes years, you know, local card room, end up on these, uh, when the Poker Stars Tour used to be in the UK, they'd end up on the feature table. And some of them just totally lock up and don't play their game. Yep. Some people start doing things that they would never do. Total fancy play syndromes, crazy bluffs just because they're on TV, etc. So even in this day and age where there's cameras everywhere, there is something about the lights on you, knowing that people are seeing your whole cards and commenting and the ridicule that you set yourself up for, etc. I mean, we've all seen it with the WSOP people, final table in the stream, there's 30 players left. These guys have been playing for days and days on end. 
and you've got people that have you know never even played the WSOP sitting saying, huh, "Can't believe he did that. Look at that. Like, how can he play that way when there's like 13 players left in the WSOP?" And you're like, for that type of money, well, you know, you still get ridiculed on these smaller tournaments where first 100k or whatever, which is you know good money, you know, but it's just smaller money. But yeah, I say just play your try and ignore it. I would say because. It is weird how anybody, if you don't have experience of that, can start feeling a bit, wow, I'm doing stuff that I don't know really what I'm doing. And that's the worst thing you can do probably during a tournament is just all of a sudden change your game or change your style and find yourself in these spots that you're like, why am I even in this place? You know, that's that's what I'd add. Well, I, as someone who's played on TV before, one, I'll give you guys a secret. Nobody cares about anybody on poker TV, you'll never be recognized. Nobody's gonna remember you. So whatever you do, don't worry. So I had the chip lead in the PCA, was that four, five years ago or something like that? And I had the chip lead with like 23 people left and I finished 17th because that's how I roll. And they did this thing, like they interviewed me and for like 30 minutes they, asked me about my life in Costa Rica, you know, how, how much I'm working with my students, what I do now in my free time, how, and it was a whole lot about Costa Rica. And then for one minute they said like, hey, uh, where have you been the last couple of years? And I, I said something like, oh, I got frustrated. I kept having deep finishes and it didn't work. And I wanted a little bit of a quieter life. And I, I said to myself, I'd come out to more of these eventually. And uh, they turned it into this really funny, like, uh, you know, it was like a flashback to every one of me, every one of my busts out, every one of my bust outs at every EPT, like EPT Kiev, EPT San Remo and uh, whatever. And then they showed me, I raised with King Ten Suited in the small blind. I got three bet in the big blind. I shoved 40X with King Ten Suited, which I can show you on a lot of... Uh, equity calculators is totally fine if somebody's three betting a little too much there, which I thought was the case. Uh, and also, a lot of people will fold some absurd hands in that situation because, yeah, at the final couple of tables at the PCA, you don't want to do, make a stupid mistake, right? Uh, well, I ran into it. Uh, she had ace queen. I busted. Everybody was making fun of me. On the PCA footage, they have all these flashbacks. He busts. They're like, Ho hopefully he doesn't quit for another five years. I was all mad. Nobody has ever brought it up at any poker tournament. Nobody knows who I am. They will forget you the next day, and they'll be on to the next guy. Nobody, like, don't worry about how you're going to look. Your buddies are going to make fun of you because that's their job, right? Some, I, I had a guy, this was my favorite, uh, I, I was going to the airport from the Bahamas and uh, I, I asked the guy next to me, are you going to the airport? And he goes, yeah. And I'm like, okay, do you want to share a taxi with me? Yeah. And then the guy recognizes me in the taxi. He was like, why did you format those 40 big blinds? You could have, I'm like, buddy, I just shared a cab with you. Like, give me a second. Right. But uh, no, I, it's a, uh, I understand not wanting to, uh, play a certain way on TV. I remember uh, I got to the feature table on EPT Kiev and back then 
I was a much more aggressive player than I am now. And uh, there was a recreational player at the table you could essentially bully to get him to do what you wanted. You could just be like, oh, what are you doing, right? And then he would clam up and just keep letting you take his blinds or whatever. But it looks awful when there's no context, right? So they have me at EPT Kiev just raising everything. Uh, They have me uh, and what was the other thing? No, there was one hand where I had an open-ended straight draw. I thought a guy did a weak lead and I just overbet jammed on him because I knew he would fold. But it just looks terrible in the, it worked, but like people, you don't want people seeing you do that because then the next time you run it, you're worried it's not gonna work, right? Or any of that. But nobody has ever seen that. Nobody ever recognizes me. Nobody knows who you are. Nobody cares. Nobody brings it up. Nobody, it's one of those things. It's a big deal to poker players in this like little tight knit community. But to the world at large that even like the recreational poker player that'll like go down to the local UK poker room and he'll play a couple times a month and uh, he'll play a tournament on occasion. And once in a while he'll turn on poker on TV and he'll watch for like a couple of hours. He's not going to, if he watched you on Monday and you said your name to him on Thursday, half of those guys wouldn't remember. So I would just say it's just like exposure therapy. You got, I I was much more afraid of it until I dealt with it and realized, oh, this is whatever. I mean, it's just kind of like, it's, uh, I I, I don't know. It's it's not a big deal. It's like battle rap. It's just, it's like a roast. It's all, it's all in good fun. Nobody remembers anything right? It's, uh, it doesn't really change anything. But the only way you're ever going to feel that way is if you get in there and play to your true style and just take the consequences. That would be my best advice. Okay. Uh, we got time for one more question on this show. And then we're going to talk about a new offer that Alex is offering people. So this question is from Joe, I think, on Twitter. Let me just pull it up. I've had to change the question that we were going to do because I'm going to save the next one for the next episode because it's going to take longer than the time. So this one is from Joe on Twitter, and it is, who is your favorite bot on advanced poker training? I know you have said you don't like the Assassinato bot. <laughs> uh, my favorite bot, uh, there's actually one, I can't remember his name, Uh <laughs> I think it's an African-American gentleman that the heads up bot. When I'm trying to teach my students how to play out of position, he's like the most realistic heads up bot. But uh, the assassin on bot is just hilarious because he's a psychopath, right? And has no stop button. And everybody's like, okay, hey, man, I killed you in another tournament. I'm like, yeah, I bet you did. Uh, but honestly, I'm uh, I'm looking at Something I was looking at doing in the new year is making more, all my content has been very curated for years now. Like if you go to my YouTube channel, there's barely a release every couple of months. And then it's like a one hour lecture with diagrams and hand history quizzes and uh, 
me circling everything that's important and statistics and database analysis and surveys and uh, blah, 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 right? I was actually thinking it'd be really fun. Well, I'm going to do more with the advanced poker training bots because the thing I like about all of them is they just throw situations at you all the time that will come up in the wild, but doesn't come up as often in, uh, doesn't come up as often in real life as you'd like to prepare a student. So something I like with advanced poker training is I'll put it on like the low to medium stakes and the players will more or less play like uh, how those players play. So it's really good to get them used to like, okay, you and me are just going to sit here and we're going to talk for an hour on this one spot. You hate being out of position. We'll be out of position right now. Uh, and after they get through an hour and they realize you think about the same things every time, they, they go, oh, wow, this is actually pretty uh, – it's not easy, but I understand where it's going now. I'm like, yeah, you just needed practice. The problem in the wild is you can't go like, hey, guys, I want to work on my under-the-gun game right now. Can we just keep the button right there for a little bit? And the thing I love about the, – the advanced poker training bots I like the most, it, I love when you throw it to advanced because – those bots will do things that no human will ever want to do, right? They'll only do after they get the most pissed off at you. And I love those because it just throws so many hypotheticals at you, which is like, okay, this guy raised, he called you out of position, and he donkled the pot on this board. What do you do? And the student will sit there and go, I have no idea. And I'm like, well, you need to prepare for this because this actually is a play in this country that you'll see on this Da, 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 da. Whereas, you know, if they're just bringing me their hand histories from uh, online sites, it's it, it could come up during the session, but it most likely won't. So once I once I get a guy really situated on the low to mid stakes bots, which are really good trainers, I can start throwing him the mind effers. <laughs> Man, just going like, all right, figure it out, kid. What could he be repping here? What could he have been turning into a bluff? So I guess I don't have a specific one off the top of my head. I, I'm trying to remember the one I really like when I set up the heads up one. But it's a because uh, every student is so different, I, I don't get to hang with one particular one as much as I'd like. Okay. And Alex, before we wrap up this show, we're going to talk about the new offer you have exclusive for one out our listeners. Yes, sir. Uh, so we're putting Master Small Stakes Cash Games in one class on sale again for the first time since the summer. Uh, the reason we're doing that is not a lot of people travel to tournaments during the winter. Most people are playing a few more cash games. Have you ever done that, Barry? You play uh, a few more cash games during the Christmas breaks just because you have some time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the flexibility of it, isn't it? Rather than tying yourself up. Right, exactly. And Master Small Stakes Cash Games in one class, I really put this one back on sale because I have never gotten such a response from the release of a new product. For one, this is the best one I've ever done because... I just unloaded the clip, like every play left in my playbook. And I harp on the basics quite a bit, but I every play I got in my playbook, I let out here. And this shows you how 
Look, the most common game in the world is 1-2, no limit hold'em, 2-5, no limit hold'em. If you need, if you're overseas like I've been and you need to make a couple of bucks or you're stationed in the military, you need to make a couple of bucks, this is how you're going to be making your money. And if you start playing cash games in your hometown, this is how you're going to be making your money to start with. And when I watch traditional uh, poker coaching, even some of my own from years past, uh, the, the few times I would discuss cash games, I noticed the issue is essentially I was making training that was for other trainers. So I was trying to get every little thought I could get into every hand. And what I noticed is I was needlessly complicating things and that wasn't helping people. So master uh, small stakes cash games in one class, it it's 14 hours of video and we just start from the basics. I start with where do you find good games? How do you know it's a good game? How, how can you find these games? How to look, make sure a game's not crooked. Uh, if you're in home games, what to look for, how you could start your own games. Where does most poker players money come from? A lot of it is not tournaments. If you can remember Chip Reese, one of the most successful poker players who ever lived, or even Doyle Brunson, who thankfully is still with us, most of those guys' money came from cash games, and a lot of them were private games. How did they find them? How did they create them? In that, And then we start with, okay, you don't know anything about cash games. That's totally fine. I can understand how transitioning from tournaments to cash games can be a little overwhelming. You have so many more chips. So let's start you as a short stacker. Let's talk to one of the best short stackers I know. And let's look at his uh, schematic. Let's look at his strategies. And he literally, cheekily, he wrote his strategy on a napkin. He sent it because he said, Alex, I know from your book, you know, it, it's a joke in the book. Like you're going to have to love the diner. Coming up with your strategies at the diner, that's where the hardcore guys come from. And then we just go right from that to every subject that people struggle with in cash games. So do you hate multi-way pots? Do you not know what to do when everybody limps, calls, and tries to hit a BS pair to beat your aces or kings? I will help you with that. Do you not know what to do in passive games? I will help you in that. Do you not know what to do in aggressive games where there key, there's continuing to be just one razor? I'll help you with that. Is there in your games, uh, is there constantly one razor in multiple callers and nobody wants to fold to a three bet and you don't know what to do with a big hand? I will help you with that. We go through all of it. Uh, we discuss three betting out of position. We discuss three betting in position. We discuss multi-way pots, passive games, aggressive games, psychotic games. Uh, we discuss tells quite a bit. We discuss how to pick off bluffs because catching bluffs is a big part of cash games. And then we discuss how to play the most that you could in this. It's, uh, excuse me, I said 14 hours of lessons. I'm not sure officially clicks in at uh, 13 hours, but it goes, it, 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 it clicks in at 13 hours plus. Sorry, I forgot about that, that. But there's a lot about how to deal with frequent three betters as well, how to defend your blinds, how to play heads up pots, how to play multi-way pots, how to deal with limpers. That was a big one. People don't know how to deal with. And also, how can you get money out of tight players as well? 
You'll also get a free copy of the Myth of Poker Talent, so you can get intense statistical instruction for online games, and you can uh, learn how to apply these strategies in deliberate fashion on the digital felt and destroy those games too. It's all simple concepts. It's I show you how to use Flopzilla. We keep it to just combo counting. We keep it to uh, looking at the ranges and deciding what to do. And there's been 26 people that have reviewed it so far. 92% of them have given it five stars. 8% of them have given it four stars. I'm really proud of this one. I've never gotten such a response from this one. I'm really happy that we have it out. And for the holidays, if you guys are looking to play some cash, this will get you prepared. They're fun videos too. Uh, they're very bang, 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 a lot of content. It's all question and answer. Because my personal belief is if it's not fun, it's not a quiz format, nobody remembers it. Uh, I'm really proud of this one. I'm really happy to, to be bringing it to the One Outer podcast. Okay, and what is the deal? It is currently 799. So what's the deal if you use One Outer coupon code? Well, right now you can get it for 199. And also, if you click on the link, I got a free video there called The Five Biggest Cash Game Mistakes. You can go ahead and check that out right now. Okay. And um, I think it is it's worth noting. I always remember when I used to play in the local casinos and that was the people that did well in the tournaments were usually good cash game players and put the hours in at the cash games as well. And even when I travel to events down south and stuff, you know, if you get if you travel all this way to play a £500 buy-in or a £1,000 buy-in or something like that and, you know, you go down there and it doesn't happen for you and you bust out, you've got your hotel, etc. Rather than jump in one of the side events, these cash games can be really profitable because, one, you've got a lot of tournament players, exclusively tournament players, jumping in and playing the cash games. I mean, I used to go down and play the Omaha games because it was like, Sometimes, I mean, there was obviously a few sharks, but a lot of the time it would be guys that have satellited into these hold'em tournaments and you're playing with them and they're playing, you know, four-card Omaha or dealer's choice, you know, when we're playing Irish or whatever, I think it's called pineapple in uh, the US, and they're playing it like hold'em. You know, they're putting everything in with bottom set. Beautiful. (laughs) Like, just getting a bit of cash game now about you, you know, and especially with Hold'em, obviously, because that's always going to be running. Sometimes they don't run Omaha or any of these other side games. So you know there's going to be Hold'em cash games running. And if you're down there and you've took the hotel for three nights because you're an optimist, like you have to be, and you bust out the first day, you can spend that day then doing a few sessions, you know, playing for four or five hours at a time, stop, take a break, go back to your room, chill, whatever, if it's not working out, study a little bit, go back down and play another session at night. And you can end up having a really profitable trip. And then, of course, if you get a run in the tournament, that's great. But I think it's big to have that in your arsenal, um, a solid cash game, especially when you can jump on. And you're talking about the holidays. I used to find the cash games December, January and stuff, when the nights are dark, people with new tablets, computers, jumping on all these sites, whether it's, you know, Poker Stars, America's Card Room, William Hill, any of the ones that are, you know, in the UK that are also parts of gaming sites, etc. Some of the cash games are really, really juicy. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a great product. I've had a look at it myself. 
and been through it and uh, yeah recommend it so as Alex says if you use coupon code one out or O-N-E-O-U-T-E-R you get it for one nine nine it drops from seven nine nine so that's six hundred dollars saved which is huge again and thanks I'm sure on behalf of y'all to Alex for giving uh, giving that offer um, okay Alex if there's anything else you want to say then now is your time if not we'll wrap this one up and we'll go and record the next show because we're doing another back to back today to get these out for the holidays for people if you guys want to get free content from me every single day free podcasts, free articles free videos all that good stuff go to pokerheadrush.com and sign up for the newsletter and thank you guys for tuning in today yeah, and keep your questions coming in for Alex. You can email them questions at oneouter.com or you can tweet them to me at oneouter.com. That's at O-N-E-O-U-T-E-R-D-O-T-C-O-M or you can post them in the Facebook group, Facebook page or message them to me through the Facebook page that way and we will get them added to the list and read out on a future show. Alex, thanks again for joining us today. Until the next time, everybody go out and grab a copy of that, and we will see you next show. Cheers. Merry Christmas.